and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. You can take your Bibles and go to John chapter 13. As everybody is aware, um, we will be celebrating Easter, or what would be more appropriately called Resurrection Sunday, in just about, uh, I don't know, a little over a week, a week and a half. Um, and this is a wonderful time to look in God's Word and see the records concerning Jesus Christ and what He did. And you can come at this from so many different angles. You can look at this from so many different ways in God's Word. And I've done that from a lot of different standpoints going into that this Easter season or this time of, of in the last week of Jesus Christ's life. This evening, what I'd like to do is kind of get as much as I can within the time we have of what did take place, or more specifically, what Jesus Christ did what he shared with his disciples. The events of Tuesday the 13th of Nisan and Wednesday the 14th have more scripture regarding them than any other two days in the history of man. There's more of God's word that specifically deals with those two days than anything else. Because those days were so important to our redemption. And God goes into such great detail, sharing what did happen at that time. Tonight I don't want to try to cover all the individual events and really focus on those. Instead, what I want to try to communicate to you, and really, for the most part, just from reading the Scriptures, I want to communicate to you the love that Jesus Christ had as He gave His life. And it's so apparent, so, so magnified in this last supper that he has with his disciples. Jesus Christ, and we'll read the verse, he said that greater love hath, this, hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And he regarded those disciples as his friends. He spent so much time with them, and it was such an intimate fellowship and such a sweet fellowship. And what he did as he gave his life was not just for them, but all mankind. But it was very much a very personal sacrifice. It was very much an act of love. He did this out of love. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. And the events of that night make that very clear as well that he could have chosen to not go through with this, and it was not an easy thing to do. And that also becomes very clear. We'll pick it up in John chapter 13, and we're going to skip around a bit. We wouldn't be able to cover everything in John that deals with this day, 
let alone all the other gospel records, because not all the information of what happens on this day is contained in the Gospel of John. You have to read all four Gospels and employ the principle of narrative development or scripture buildup mm -hmm. to get the full story of what does happen. But I do encourage you, and again, I'm just going to kind of cover what I can, but I trust that with what we'll read this evening, it will inspire you to, in the coming days, sit down and read the rest of the Gospel of John and to read the other records about this last week of Jesus Christ's life. In John 13, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Isn't that an incredible statement? And what a beautiful way to introduce this whole event of the Last Supper. That he knows now that his hour has come. He didn't know just a short time before. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that at some point he was going to sacrifice his life. But he didn't know exactly when that was going to happen. Different events, as they unfolded, made it clear that he was getting close. And the Father continued to show him that he was getting close. But now the Father has shown him that the time is at hand, that his hour was near, that it had come. And looking at that, he loved his disciples to the very end. To the very end, you know. What would you be thinking about if you knew that the hour was at hand, that you were going to be any minute now arrested? That you were going to be arrested? That you were going to be tried unjustly? That you were going to be beaten and tortured worse than any man? He knew all of that because that's prophesied in Isaiah. He knew he was going to be arrested. He knew he was going to be just endure the, the greatest suffering that anybody ever had to endure. He knew that time was at hand. What would you be doing if that time was at hand? You know, you, you would, you'd think you have enough to do just to kind of steal your mind to be able to do what you had to do. And, you know, to not be freaking out, to not be freaking out, to not just be scared and terrified. And sad, and all those range of emotions that were all something that he would have had to deal with because he was a man. He was a man. And it says that he was tempted on all points like as we are, yet without sin, that we have not a Savior that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Mm. You know, he felt all of that. You know, if you didn't like to lie, life, if you didn't like living, you might not feel as much. But he lived the more abundant life. His fellowship with the Father was so sweet. You know, joy is a result of fellowship. So his fellowship was perfect. His joy was full. That's what he was giving up. That's what he was giving up. And there he is. But his focus at this time is not on that. His focus is on loving these people to the very end. 
and taking care of their hearts. That's what he's concerned about as you read this. We'll skip down to, you know what? No, you can jump over to John 12, talking about that hour. John 12, 23. This is before the, this event of the Last Supper, but here as it's getting close, and he knows it's getting close. Verse 23, chapter 12, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 27, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. He said his soul was troubled. His soul was troubled. You know, it wasn't an easy thing to do. But what he said, what am I going to do? Say, God, save me from this. Father, save me from this. He could have. But he said, well, I won't do that because this is the very reason I came. To accomplish this. To pay the price for man's sins. And to redeem him. Look at John 14. John 14. Here he is taking care of them at this hour. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. We don't know. We don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was the way. That's all we need to know. You know, all we need to know is he is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we believe on him, then we are brought unto the Father. Verse 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Just show us the Father, and then we'll be happy. Jesus saith unto him, verse 9, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus said, those that had seen him had seen the Father because he made the Father known. Everything he did was as the Father told him to do. Everything he said was that which the Father gave him to say. That's why he can make that statement. Verse 10. Believest not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believeth me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You know, that's a statement that if it wasn't Jesus Christ that had made it, 
you'd never believe it. But he's the one that said it. Those that believe on him, the works that he did, they will do also and even greater works because he was going unto the Father. Verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's the promise. Whatsoever we ask in his name, in that name of Jesus Christ, we have it. Verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And that word comforter is another master, or rabbi, or teacher. He was going to be leaving. He wouldn't be there to take care of them. He wouldn't be there to tell them what to do, to help them, to guide them, to continue to unfold the Father's will for them. But he was not going to leave them alone. He was sending the Comforter. That's that gift of Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever, verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I shall not leave you comfortless. That word is, it means to be orphaned one that's just left alone. He would not leave them left alone, nor are we left alone. You know, there are so many times where we need that guidance, that leadership, that knowing what specifically we should do in a situation. And boy, wouldn't you love it if you could just go to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, what should I do here, you know? How do I handle this situation? We don't have that, but we have Christ in us with that gift of Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that is so that we aren't left alone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing when you read this, and we again, we won't cover it all, but when you read through this, how much of this evening, and even after he's resurrected, how much time he spends telling them the role that that gift of Holy Spirit will make, and how much he emphasizes, I'm not leaving you alone, this is, this is going to take the place. Let's go to verse 19, chapter 14. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. There he is telling them and just comforting them with this knowledge that he and the Father will make their abide, their home, in them as they make their home in him and the Father. 
That's fellowship. That whole abiding in is fellowship. That's what he talks about in chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. The husbandman is like a farmer. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. See, that's the whole relationship of our fellowship. When we abide in Him, when we walk with Him, when we walk in fellowship, then we can produce fruit. But without Him, we can't. Not that fruit of the Spirit. It's all about producing fruit. We want that love. We want that joy. We want that peace, that gentleness, that goodness, that temperance, that long-suffering and faith and meekness. We want all of that fruit in our lives. And it comes as we abide in Him, as we walk with Him. We can't do it on our own. We can't have that more abundant life. Oh, you can get by, you know, you can survive. You might even, you know, have your good days and, you know, occasionally. But to, you'll always fall short of what life could be. You'll never have what it really can be unless you're abiding in Him. The closer our relationship, the more that Jesus Christ is a reality to us, where we know His presence, where we feel that presence, where we practice the presence of God, the more that that's a reality, then the more fruit we experience in our lives. Well, let's skip down here. Look at verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Just as, just as the Father loved Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ so knew that the Father loved him, in turn, he loved them. He loved them. And that's why he was doing it. The Father so loved, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was an act of love that God gave his Son, and it was an act of love that Jesus Christ carried through with that. And that he was willing to love them right to the end and pay the ultimate price. And he asked them that they would abide in his love. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. His joy, that same joy that he had, we can have. And his desire was that his joy would be in us and would be full. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's his commandment, that we would love one another the way that he loved us. How big did he love us? Well, the next verse says it. 
Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, that wasn't just talk for him. He knew he was about to do that. He knew that he was going to actually lay down his life for his friends and lay it down in the hardest way that anybody could. Lay it down by enduring all of that suffering. Lay it down by hanging on that cross. And he says while he's right there at that time that you know he knew that he could call on you know, what, 12 legions of angels to come and, and pull him off of it. That's 72,000. There's 6,000 soldiers in, in a legion. 72,000 angels would have shown up. Wouldn't that have been a sight? Wouldn't that have been a sight? Boy, those Roman soldiers and all of that crowd, would have, they would have, well, you know what they would have done. Why did he do it? Why did he keep hanging on that cross? Because he so loved. And when he asks us to love that way, we don't have to lay down our lives. But we, we give our lives as a living sacrifice. That's what it talks about in Romans. A living sacrifice. Verse 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not, knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. He called them friends because he didn't keep anything back from them. He had that kind of intimate relationship with them. Verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We think a lot of times that we made the choice. You know, well, I chose to, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Well, you did, but he chose you long before that. He chose you. You were picked before the foundation of the world. That's when we were chosen in Him. Were you around back then? <laughs> so I think He's got us beat. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. He knew that you would respond. And boy, you're that special to God. Verse 17. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't feel bad. <laughs> You're in good company, right? You're in good company. If the world hates you, then it hated him first. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. <laughs> so those that are loved by everybody, <laughs> that might not be a good thing to be said of you. Because, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, those that of the world that are opposed to God and his love, don't expect that everybody's going to like you. And when you speak the word, when you share God's word, sometimes people don't want it, and sometimes they're not going to even take kindly to it. 
And boy, those that don't love God and those that are really the God rejectors, the atheists, that are, man, you know, they really, it becomes more and more apparent. The older I get, the more aggressive that becomes atheism. You know, the most evangelical group out there are the atheists. Don't let them kid you. <laughs> Nobody will shove their belief down your throat bigger and harder than the atheist. But that shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. Verse 20. Remember the word, the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because ye, they know not him that sent me. Look at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Look at chapter 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. <laughs> Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and will show you things to come. Skip down to verse 25. These things have I spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs. Proverbs are dark sayings or hidden things. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. And that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now thou speakest, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now you're... Now we get what you're saying. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. Well, good thing they finally got it since he's about to leave them, right? But they still don't, really. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Do you really? You think so? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Boy, and yet, he was still willing to do it for them. There they are, in that hour of need, they're all going to turn tail and run. They're all going to hightail it. They're all going to hide under their beds, lock the doors, put the furniture in front of it. You know, if it was me, I think I'd say, well, that's the way you're going to be about it. Maybe I'll just get off of this cross. All of, none of them were there. And yet, it goes on to say in that verse, verse 32, I am not alone because the Father is with me. He knew he was not alone. Why? Because the Father was with him. That's why that translation of Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani has my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me is so wrong and so obviously wrong. 
He says right here, and he's just told us before that everything he said, who says the Father told him to say, I won't be alone because the Father will be with me. <laughs> Verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me, in him, ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 17, I, I won't even start it because I won't get too far in it. I've only got a couple of minutes left here. Yeah, I'll read a little bit. Read this whole chapter. This is a prayer. This is his prayer for his disciples. He first prays for them, and then he goes to the garden and prays to the Father concerning what he's going to face. But first he prays for them. These words have I spoken unto thee, no, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received me have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and all thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I read that. He prayed for them, and you'll have to read the rest of it on your own. But it's this wonderful, loving prayer for God to take care of them and keep them safe. God bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.